Making those final arrangements after the death of a loved one is never easy, hampered even more by the trauma and cloud of grief. Randy with Stokes, Proc and Munt and the Cremation Society tells us funeral directors are experienced and their goal is to facilitate your healing. Because when there's a death, it's traumatic to most people. So we're dealing with their acute grief. One of our roles is to comfort them and, you know, and give them order where there's disorder because they don't know what to do. They're in shock, they're numb, and they need somebody to lead them down the right path. And for the most part, that's what funeral directors do or try to do. Sometimes people know what they want, but they don't always know what they need. And that's us to give them options. Randy and the folks at Stokes, Proc, and Munt, along with the Cremation Society, are available to answer any of your questions, including pre-planning your arrangements. Check them out online and on social media. Hello, everyone. Talk of the Town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk, our end-of-the-week edition of Talk of the Town. We got a lot to follow up on from earlier this week at Eau Claire City Council meeting with uh, a good amount of talking points for us to cover. Definitely some water cooler discussions out of the City Council this week. And uh, whether it's a, a water cooler or whether it's just sitting around a coffee table with a bunch of buddies, those are all things we can actually do again. People are doing those things again as we begin to continue the come out phase from the pandemic of the last year. So we got to discuss the new city council member and whom they selected. We're going to do that. There's the disease ordinance that has been put on a pause. And that, of course, is something that I think a lot of people maybe forgot about. And we will talk about that. But we start off with this, something that really could have been the number one topic to come out of the Eau Claire City Council. One that I think more, I think intrigues and definitely impacts more people than maybe some of the other things that are arguably more important. And that is a decision on 4th of July fireworks. We saw the city of Eau Claire bring back the Memorial Day parade this year. You wondered what would they do with July 4th fireworks traditionally held at Carson Park. You bring in 10,000, 15,000 people. They're there at the ballpark all day. Well, the, 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 the whole island, the whole peninsula, about to be accurate, the whole peninsula, they're, they're at the museum, they're there at the railroad, they're, they're, they're walking around, they're there at the horseshoe pits, and then, of course, there's the baseball game. And you wondered, would that come back this year and i think people had sort of a assumption it was but eau claire the city council voting eight to two this week to again host the fireworks on plank hill so plank hill will host the fireworks again that is the same spot they were shot off last year eight two vote to move the uh, to move the fireworks again to Plank Hill, so no fireworks at Carson Park. I know this will frustrate many 
because it feels we're up and running again. But I, I can see from the city council standpoint that it is hard to justify encouraging 10,000 people to be in one spot. I think that's where you stand right now. That I think a lot of people, if you had them at Carson Park, would do it. I think a lot of people are vaccinated. There's, of course, more people than not who are who are not vaccinated. But I think it's hard for them to justify being so soon out of this, encouraging 10,000 people. However, if you want to be very upset about this, locally and in the region, we do have Country Jam that's going to be held. Rock Fest and Country Fest are going on, the Northern Wisconsin State Fair, and I know these are outside the county and outside the city in many cases. So if you are very irritated by the decision to not host the fireworks at Carson Park, to again do them at Plank Hill, I see your point. It's not incorrect. It's not incorrect. I'm not I'm not upset at the decision. I'm a little disappointed that, again, you're not going to have the fireworks at Carson Park. But I know the I know the fireworks were okay last year, given the circumstances. They weren't ideal. And with a lot of other things returning this year, this is a smoother pill to swallow. But we'll see. Again, if, if, you, if, if you really want to be upset because all these other events are being held, why, is, why can't you have the fireworks? I mean, you're having ball games at Carson Park. You're, you're, you're having a concert at Carson Park at the end of July. You definitely have an argument. You have an argument. But again, fireworks at Plank Hill, and may this be the very last year that happened. Uh, last year, they were, again, they were okay in the prism of what was going on was for any other year it really wasn't great and i think you can give it one more pass city council also this week selecting roderick jones for my young's vacated seat selecting roderick jones Uh, roderick jones works with uh, special ed education at uwec he previously was with k through 12 education in florida it came between him and dang yang that's uh, pretty much how it had been narrowed down to after the interviews and the presentations that were, occurred on Monday. Now, Jones was one I'd said not to select because of uh, the residency issue. You can go back and listen to the episode from earlier this week. Uh, he had not been in this area that long, a year or two. And as I said, there's nothing absolutely nothing. In fact, I encourage having outside ideas. You don't have to be born in the area, raised in the area, and buried in the area to be a leader in the area. But when it comes to being an elected official, and this is a quasi-elected position at the moment because it's it's an appointed position before it becomes an elected one again, you want to have at least three, four, five years in an area so that you really blend together your prior experiences with your new hometown. And I speak from experience. 
you think when you first move in, you know everything, but you're really looking at everything through the prism of where you previously were and you're not seeing an area for what it truly is. And then over time, you're able to take the best of both. Uh, so I, 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 had, I, I had eliminated Roderick Jones. Uh, it turned out though, he was very popular among the counselors, very popular. And they interviewed him and they did the research on it, not me. And as I sometimes acquiesce to, I, I'm not going to sit here and say the council got it wrong. I would have initially not given him given him a, sh a shot, and maybe that's what maybe that's something that's wrong with me. I would have initially not given him a shot because I've, I would have used that objective criteria. Uh, but uh, he's the one who was selected, Roderick Jones, in the city council. His spot, though, is interim. There'll be an election next April, but he'll get the head start on uh, whether people are going to want to keep him in that position or not. The disease ordinance has hit a pause for proponents of the disease ordinance. They would say a roadblock. Remember, there is that proposed ordinance out there, both the city and the county that would allow, in essence, there's, there's a few things with it, but in essence would increase the powers of public health directors like Lee Skagizi to issue $200 fines to violators of orders. It is a proposed ordinance that would increase the power of Lee Skagizi and it would oddly provide oversight for elected officials on the public health director. Though, the more I've thought about this, Shouldn't that already exist? The public health director right now does not act autonomously from elected officials. They don't. They don't. It's it's been treated that way with Lisa Gizzi, but elected officials have power over the public health director. It is it is not an autonomous position. Absolutely not. No different than you know, the highway director or the parks directors and all of that. But there's that proposed ordinance that came out late last year, well, more like in the fall, that would allow public health directors like Lisa Gizzi to issue $200 fines to violators of orders, among other things. City and county both had versions on the table, but they are waiting right now until the state courts have a case work through on this. Again, it was first proposed last fall, so if you're like me, you've forgotten about it a bit. But you also see it through a different spectrum now that we're months later. We were looking at it one way in the fall. You can look at it another way. And that doesn't mean you're looking the way you're looking at it now is, oh, I don't, I'm not as concerned about the pandemic as I was back in the fall. You this is now in the next two years, this is when. Maybe not even quite yet, but coming up soon, this is when we have to take our step back and look at things from 10,000 feet. So this is the time where if you want to make changes and do ordinances, now is going to be the time to do it. All right. We've had the disaster. Now, how do we prevent it again? And how would we respond differently? Flatly, I said it then, back in the fall. And I reiterate it now. 
we must be ready for the next issue and what we want to do. But I don't think we as a society have truly had time to digest what worked and what didn't over the last year. I was amazed when they started proposing this ordinance last fall. I kept saying, I think it's too soon. It wasn't anything that was going to have an impact on this situation. And I don't think that we were looking at, I don't think any sort of decision on an ordinance would be based on facts. It would be based entirely on emotion. Both people that have cried chicken little on this thing and people that have completely underestimated its severity. I think things are still too fresh, too wrapped in emotion. Everyone wants to make knee-jerk decisions. The pandemic was and continues to be a much slower and moving target than a lot of people want to admit it. I look at this ordinance, and I'm not even discussing the ordinance itself. I don't think right now it's something that should be taken up. I think it's something that we will not have a full appreciation of for a little bit longer. And quite frankly, Lisa Kagizi's standing in this community is, is, is extremely low. Extremely low. And no matter how many Fugazi awards the county health department gets, because those things don't mean much of anything, no matter what Fugazi awards the city that the, she gets and her department gets, people's opinion for it and most notably against it is entirely rooted in their opinion of her, which is very, very low right now. Maybe giving a public health official more power is good. And this is the other thing too. And this is the only thing that having a separation of time is very important and maybe somebody different in that position. Giving a public health official more power is good. But at the, it could be good, could be good. But at the same time, there are other parts too for a community to decide. Think of it as like vertical integration. Namely, if that's the case where the public health official gets more power, in the future, more vetting of a public health official will be necessary. It can no longer be a ceremonial role or one that residents are not all that familiar with. It is going to have to become something that people will know who is there. I understand the argument to not have it be an elected position, but at the very least, it is going to be one that people are going to want to have more vetting of. They're going to want to be more involved in public hearings on it. If you are going to give that position more power beyond being the traditional ceremonial role, then the community is going to have to vet it more. Some good positive news, by the way. The Humane Association in Oakland County saw this earlier this week. They took in six new dogs from a shelter that closed in Texas. Humane Association, I, th I, I still, I don't think, have they opened up for people to go in? 
think it's still by appointment for adoption. Uh, something that has reopened, the Fairfax pool has reopened, and boy, people have been cooling off there the last few days. They, they, there's more there's more human bodies than water in that pool the, <laughs> the last two, three days. Fairfax pool, though, has reopened, and, and that's so nice to see after last year, and the uh, use the term Fugazi, the Fugazi way it was closed last year. Uh, it was closed for a variety of reasons, and you you don't know the straight answer. I think at the end of the day, the city had no intention of opening that pool last year. Uh, there was maintenance issues with it, but there was no uh, moment. There was no motivation to fix the maintenance issues last year. That was that key. That was that key thing. And remember, they tried to pull the same shenanigans with the Hobbs Ice Arena this last winter, but that didn't work. But Fairfax Pool remained closed last year. Either way, it's great to see it reopen and reopen in a sort of pre-pandemic way. You know, kids aren't wearing masks when they're in the pool. Uh, so that's fun to see, see that pool. And that is a clean municipal pool. I remember growing up, you would, where I was from, there was municipal pools, but they were basically cement holes is what they were were cement holes they and they were they, they were more like gigantic wading pools uh fairfax pool you know, with the slide and the and the sun the the, the the layout chairs that's very nice it is a nice spot for families to go uh, i i've always said in the future if they ever thought of this you know, put a couple of lights in there you can have some night swimming I mean, if, if you've ever had a chance to go night swimming, and I'm not talking about late night swimming, I'm talking about, you know, 7 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock at night, dusk, a little bit of night swimming. I think that'd be cool. And you don't need to have, you, know, you don't have to have Carson Park-esque lights, ballpark-esque lights. You just need to have a, a few lights around there that, that add some light and then some, you know, you'd have some more lower level lights and all that. I think that'd be cool. Put lights at Fairfax and to have some evening swimming because it's definitely warm enough in the evening and it feels nice. I think that'd be cool. And again, I'm not saying you stay open till 10 o'clock at night, but I think you can keep, I think, what do they close? They close at six now? I think you can keep it open to, to eight in the evening and that would also open up the pool to more people. Now, maybe I have it wrong. Maybe they're already open up to eight. We'll see. And then I saw this, too, uh, over last weekend. Uh, the Altoona Police Department held a bike rodeo. And uh, these are always one of those soft news stories, but uh, kind of fun to see. Uh, bike rodeo held by the Altoona Police Department, in which they take kids through a variety of safety training. Uh, I kind of like that. You see what you know, they take them through a variety of uh, uh, safety courses, so that's all nice. That's kind of fun uh, to to see there. A um, couple stories that are well. The one thing this weekend we didn't really talk about it at all. Uh, Breakfast in the Valley is back on Friday. If you haven't heard about, if you have, if you've heard this podcast before Friday, hey, make sure you go check out Breakfast in the Valley. Now, of course, that's back still with a a drive through format. 
Uh, it goes back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, a lot of things are back. You're still going to have some things that are going to be another year off for a, any number of reasons. And, and it's not just a, oh, they don't want to hold it because of the pandemic. Sometimes it's, it's, it's still some optics. Still sometimes you didn't have time to get things together. Uh, but Breakfast in the Valley returning this weekend, but again with a, a drive-through format. And uh, we didn't talk about it today because it seemed like it was one of those things that uh, it seemed like it was one of those things that uh, uh, people had. You know, that, that, well, you can go back and you can listen to Tuesday's show uh, for that. But the Eau Claire County District Attorney Gary King uh, State uh, Office has, in fact, uh, appointed a group to look into him. So uh, he's going to investigate uh, Gary King. Uh, what's been going on with him, all the stuff we talked about on Tuesday. Uh, Gary King's access to the courthouse has been restricted. So right now that story is one that seems to be progressing the way you would think it would be progressing, and we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, I don't see how that does not end without some type of discipline towards Gary King, some more permanent discipline to Gary King, but only time will tell as to how that plays out. As I said on Tuesday, even if he is innocent of the accusations, and there's a lot, but even if he's innocent of the accusations, at a minimum, he clearly does not lead that department. And you can blame whether you're working for a small business or an elected position. Well, the people don't want to work. They don't. I, I can't get my workers to work for me. Sometimes that's on you. It's unfortunate. Sometimes, and, and I'm not saying this is Gary King, sometimes you do a lot of things right, but the group below you will not follow them, and you're not able to get them in line. That's why coaches get fired, not an entire team. It's not just out of convenience. Usually the, the, the leader goes first, and then you start replacing uh, the people below after that. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Talk of the Town. Back again on Tuesday. Lots of other great podcasts to listen to. Make sure you do that. Go through all of them. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody.